Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Schreiber. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, it's half past ten at Tennis Podcast Towers, London edition. Day four of Wimbledon is in the books and we're recording at a, or what counts as, a somewhat reasonable hour for the Tennis Podcast. Um, what with, you know, the tennis finishing before 11pm. On the same that, day. On the same day. <laughs> um, we had Italian food for dinner and uh, try as I might, I can't think of any kind of fun game uh, to play with today's tennis involving Italian food. So today is going to be a huge disappointment for everyone that wrote to us telling us they enjoyed the fortune cookie game. P- people wrote to us, did they? They did. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Name drop, Pam Shriver. Oh, well, there we are. Pam Sorry. Shriver and my dad, um, who <laughs> giveth and taketh away, said he loved the fortune cookie game. Uh, too much laughing at the end of the podcast, though. No, noted, so, Mr. Whitaker. We shall aim to have less fun enjoy it, it, recording this one. Okay. Um, it's been it's been a been a good day at Wimbledon, hasn't it? I mean, wouldn't mind a day without any rain. Wouldn't wouldn't mind it. That would be nice. Yeah, there's been this awkward bits of rain most days that we've had mm. four or five matches left over to the next day a lot and. For someone who likes the order of play, neat and tidy, and the draw neat and tidy, you know where you are, it's just a little bit frustrating. I was nicely under the roof on centre court in the commentary box at that point, so I've got nothing to worry about. Well, you wouldn't have had anything to worry about, David, if the roof had been open, because it was not raining. Oh, Mm, that was very bizarre. Yeah, so the the day started, I presume, with the threat of rain. Um, on some very reliable radars because centre, which starts at one thirty, and court one, which starts at one, play commenced on those courts with the roof closed, despite the fact that play was going on in the outside courts, um, which obviously don't have roofs, and there was no rain. Um, and the threat of rain at that stage in the day did not did not materialise. There was rain later on in the day, at which point they elected not to close the roofs <laughs> for, for quite some time. So I did not understand the Wimbledon roof policy, but... I, I was just thinking how bad I would be at the roof job. What's the roof job? 
closing it at the right time. It's just pressing a button. David. No, but like predicting when you're supposed to oh, do okay. it. Just imagine. I would I mean, say how many tennis results I, would I can't say the get rule right. Is when it starts raining. I know, press but, the button. but you got but you get a little bit and then it stops and do you and don't you and then you look at your forecast. Imagine how bad I'd be at that. I I think a rule needs to be established of I think you can categorically make a rule of is it okay to preemptively and preventatively close the roof because rain is anticipated. Yeah. I mean, evidently from what happened today, it is. But I, I'm not sure that should be the case. Do, do you think that they should be able to just open it again mid-match? I think they should yes. because they do the opposite, don't they? If yep. it starts raining during a match, they close the roof. Hmm. So this whole thing about the match needing to be played in the same conditions the entire time doesn't hold water when it rains because they put the roof on to finish especially it. Especially here at Wimbledon when they've got this thing where you get to, it's too dark, we're closing the roof because that's the only way the lights mm. will work. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what uncrossable Rubicon trumps the other? Because, you know, they're adamant this is an outdoor tournament. We play outdoor tennis wherever possible. So Yeah, I mean, I get not changing the conditions during a set and, and they, you know... If you can help it, but if if they'd started those matches today under the roof because of the threat of rain, and it was clear after a set that it wasn't raining, it's an outdoor tournament. Mm. I think the matches should be outside mm. as as much as possible. I think I agree. Look, I don't. Th- we're not talking about this because I. I think you agree. I think it had any bearing on the results that we saw in those opening matches on centre and court one today. I don't think, spoiler alert, Katie Bolter beat last year's finalist, Carolina Pliskova. I don't think that result would have been any different, most likely, if it had been played with, with the roof open. It's just, you know, it's just a talking point, isn't it? And, and it can impact matches, depending Absolutely. on who's involved in them. We have seen, what, what are the biggest ones that have been influenced, you think, by... Nadal, Djokovic, semi-final resumed the next day under the roof mm. oh, was because it? of the rule that I think was made up kind of on the spot um, that it was played yesterday under the roof. And it was glorious weather outside by yep. the next day. It was a stunning day. It was a beautiful day. day. It was the day <laughs> of... Madness, it was. It? it was It was the Kerber-Serena Wimbledon... final on the Saturday and the reason it carried over to that Saturday was because... The Friday had been the Kevin Anderson, John Isner mm. oh, fifth the, set, which that, dragged. That joy. The embouteillage mm. of Anderson Isner. <laughs> um, and, and, and that was an example of the roof being used for darkness mm. that night. Oh. It wasn't because it was so raining. So you had a whole match being played in non-rain. If this had happened in the 90s, I'd be able to reel this stuff off. <laughs> <laughs> but my 2018 memory... Anyway, let's start talking That's about the I'm tennis here. that uh, that did happen today. Hopefully recent enough memory, David, that you, you can just about read it off. As I said, Katie Bolter reached the third round of a slam for the first time. She beat last year's finalist, Karolina Pliskova, 6-4 in the third. It was a, a wild ride of a match, this one. Not the match that I was expecting from, from these two. They were breaking one another's serve at will. I mean, you couldn't buy a hold of serve at one point in the match. David, you were in the commentary booth 
on this for BBC TV alongside Anne Giotavon. I'm biased, but it was a joy to hear that commentary. And Aww. you had the the best seats in the house. Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, and and they were the best seats in the house, or at least I felt incredibly privileged to to have that opportunity to to sit there courtside, court level, and talk about this match. Not talk too much about it. I mean, aside from the fact that I don't think TV commentators should talk too much anyway, um, the tennis itself did the talking. It was a really good match. It was really interesting. I mean, I think just very quickly, I think a little explanation and description of who Katie Bolter is might be useful for, for, for our audience because obviously for, I think, for our big new york Times post new york Times readership David. <laughs> absolutely yeah so hello everybody who's new uh, you're very welcome um but um yeah i mean casey bolter is somebody we've all followed for a number of years she's ranked 118 in the world at the moment she's a tall powerful tennis player with good touch at times but who has never got higher than about 82 in the world and Yet she's 25 years of age. She's been around for quite a while. She's had some moments. She, I, I, I had the chance to commentate on her in what used to be called the Fed Cup uh, back then in 2019. And she, she's a really strong-willed competitor. She loves a fight. She loves a stage. And you watch her and you think, how is this woman not ranked inside the world's top 100? Well, the answer to that has a lot to do with that Fed Cup tie back in 2019, doesn't it? Because yeah. that is where she sustained a stress fracture to her back and... It's all been downhill from there, or, or, you know, static from there. She's, goodness me, she's had a frustrating three years. Not just the stress fracture to the back. She's had, you know, as is so often the case, chain reaction injuries. She suffered a period of of chronic fatigue syndrome as well, which yeah. must just be the most unbearable thing for an athlete. You know, the whole medical profession doesn't really understand chronic fatigue syndrome, what causes it, what cures it you've just got to wait it out and that's that's awful and, and it's um, always all these things have always come up come on just when she's getting somewhere mm. and you think okay this is it and this is must be so frustrating as a, an athlete when you just can't get any kind of consistency to your ability to produce you know you can't even your output is hindered and she just wasn't able to do that and i mean She's one of the people that will be hurt rankings-wise that there are no points at this tournament because she'd have gone on a massive jump getting into the third round of a Grand Slam for the first time in her whole career. But take that aside, this was about the moment. This was about playing last year's runner-up, Karolina Pliskova. It's easy to forget this is a woman who won six matches and won a set off Ash Barty, is a, has had a tough year, but... Bolter went toe-to-toe with her, and, and despite losing the first set, she came back to win. And, and I thought it was gritty, gutsy. Um, she, played, she, she showed great sort of rally tolerance against Pliskova, who I thought was striking the ball pretty well, and Pliskova hit about 13 aces as well. She hit a lot of double faults too, so it wasn't a perfect performance from Pliskova, but... Bolter just stuck in there, just kept going, used the crowd, you know, got inspired and and was a worthy winner, I thought, in the end. And uh, and then when she did her interview after the match and she let everybody know that her, her grandmother had died a couple of days ago and she, she dedicated it to, to her. I mean, aside from that being an incredibly moving moment, that is a heck of a strength of character to be able to perform 
when you're when you be grieving. Mm, she um, she explained in the press conference afterwards that she'd had a she'd had a call from her her granddad who was in the box watching her today, who I understand she's very close with, um, telling her that you know it was a possibility it wasn't looking good for her for her gran, and then her mum had told her the news after her after her first round match. I mean that whole sequence of events is is pretty extraordinary. So she she in the first round she'd played played with the burden of sort of not knowing and and the anxiety and now she's playing with with the grief um yeah and that's all all pretty incredible really um she's she's quite a competitor isn't she i mean she that kept her in there when when the tennis couldn't you know because the tennis at its best is is a dream you know she's got that big serve she's got those big strides she's good at the net the the numbers at the net today i think she only lost two or three points when she did approach she's got that brilliant forehand it's a lovely shot that forehand proper weapons but the the movement is a weak spot isn't it it's it's a it's a clear um it's a clear weakness just just as it was at the other end of the court you know they're very similar players aren't they Pliskova and Bolter but but the competitive edge kept her in that match it 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 wins her points and games that she's got no right to. Yes, and I was really impressed that she, you know, she'd been through a, sim- a very similar match at Wimbledon last year in the same round when she pushed uh, eventual semi-finalist Arena Sabalenka all the way. Uh, she played brilliantly in that match, but just wasn't quite able to get over the line. And I don't know whether the experience of that maybe helped her today, um, but you know you'd think it would. And yeah, she was she was brilliant. I was so pleased for her because she deserves a moment like that. Because as you said, she had that moment in Fed Cup, and it really looked like she was poised to build on that, sustain the injury three years ago. And this is this is the best moment of her career certainly since then. I asked her in her press conference whether. What Emma Raducanu did at the U.S. Open last year gives a player like her in her position, her ranking, gives her belief and inspiration. And I was expecting a not a wishy-washy answer, but I was expecting a sort of yeah, what Emma did was amazing, but I've I'm on my own journey, you know, quash the pressure and expectation, which would be entirely understandable. But she looked me dead in the eye and said a hundred percent. It does, you know, how could it not? And then, then she waxed lyrical about how incredible it was, what Emma did. And she said a few times, you know, she was just swinging so freely, hitting so freely, that, you know, that freedom of it all being with house money. Um, and she said, absolutely, I, you know, hope to channel the same energy. Um, and it'll be against Harmony Tan in the third round, which, you know, we know who Harmony Tan's beaten already. Serena Williams, of course, in round one. She beat Sara Cerebes Tormo today. But crikey, that is a draw that you would take pre-tournament, yeah, pre-tournament. any day of the week. No, 100%. And, and I didn't know much about Harmony Tan before this tournament. I'd, I hadn't seen her play and realised what her abilities, uh, tools are. And um, yeah, on paper, that's a really good draw. In reality, I, I think... It could be quite a tricky matchup because she's going to throw in all sorts of strange, weird angles and strokes and heights and spins. But 
who's to say that Harmony Tan is going to be able to reproduce what she's done so far in terms of quality because this is new for her? She's also got a leg injury, as we know. Yeah, well, news on that. <laughs> oh, yeah. News on that, folks, because I'm sure despite m- many desperate pleas from those around her, Tamara Corpatch elected not to put her phone down today. Oh, uh, good. She's been active on social media. She, she's been posting and deleting. <laughs> um, unfortunately, nothing can be deleted from the internet uh, because... Uh, the the deleted post that she put up this morning, um, or this afternoon rather, after Harmony Tan's win over Sara Saribes Tormo, was a a screenshot of the score graphic, with with the caption "Congrats at Harmony Tan for a win against another great player. Amazing week for you. I'm glad your leg injury get better so quickly." <laughs> Then she followed up with that wasn't sarcastic, I promise, or oh, something along no those lines. No sarcasm. No sarcasm, oh, sure. Um, anyway, all that's been deleted and all that remains is a is a jolly post about how genuinely pleased she is for her former doubles partner, Harmony Tan. Will, she, she wishes her well. <laughs> will Tamara Corpatch ever find a doubles partner again? I, I, think, I hope so. Do you think people will just think... I mean, genuinely, probably not, not someone this. that's got singles ambitions. Right. Because if you pull out, you're going to get dragged. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And look, frankly, it is... I'm not, I'm not saying it was necessarily okay what Harmony Tan did. I don't know the ins and outs of it all. But it is always going to be a risk with players that, that put singles first. That, that is a known known hazard of the situation. It, it does come across that in this day and age, unfortunately, is a little bit naive, doesn't it? Um, mm. I feel a bit sorry for her, actually, because, you know, she, uh, English, I'm assuming, isn't 100%, you know, her, her natural language, her native language, but she... <laughs> She keeps tying herself up in knots, doesn't she, and getting it, herself into it, these positions. It's okay to just not post all your thoughts and feelings yeah. on Instagram. <laughs> well, like, we all have irrational thoughts and feelings. Don't worry about that. It's just, you know, we're not we're not broadcasting them 100% of the time, luckily. Try, trying to make it in. better and making it worse. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's take a little meander since we're in a vaguely uh, related place. Let's head to Nick Kyrgios land. Because he pulled out of doubles today following his singles win. He um, hinted that he would do so after beating Filip Krajanovic in the second round of the singles in an hour and 25 minutes. It was it was a dismissal, quite frankly. He swatted him like a fly. Did his on-court interview out on court number two. And the final question was about, you know, you're going to come back out today um, and play doubles with your great mate Thanasi Kokonakis. How are you feeling about that? And he pretty much said, I'm not going to play. It, not quite as baldly as that, but not far off. He said, yeah, we'll we'll have to see. But honestly, um, this is my best bet for winning a slam and I've got to do what's best for my body and for my singles game. Cue. Half an hour later, Nick Kyrgios will not be playing <laughs> in the doubles alongside Thanasi Kokonakis. I know this because I was supposed to commentate on it. Mm. <laughs> Turns out I didn't have to do anything else all day. I mean, look, I, th- I think it's fair enough. I don't think 
we're anticipating any uh, rageful posts from Kokinarkis on Instagram. I would love it if there were. I should have a quick check just to make I, sure. I already have, Dave. Oh, you have. already have, yeah. But there's still time. Catherine's been refreshing it for the last hour. <laughs> it's not quite revolutionising doubles, is it? But what it tells us... It... <laughs> <laughs> He's already done that, Matt. Job so, done. I suppose so. Job Job done. No, no, no. How long does a revolution last? And if they change the five-set format, he might come back. Mm. Right. I mean, I mean, his his singles performance today was the sort of performance that I would say a year ago, eighteen months ago, would have got the Kiri Optimism WhatsApp chat mm. buzzing. Has Mouth changed the name oh, at all? Christ. No, no, no. There's no. no going back now. I, I, I think we've crossed the line. There's no going back. Yeah. Big statement. I mean, he was he was absolutely phenomenal. He, today. he was sublime. And this is a guy who but reached the Queen's final. Any of my feelings about Nick Kyrgios? It, he he he. But before 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 I get into my negative feelings, I do want to make it clear: he was absolutely unreal. It was today. it was exactly the sort of performance that he is well that he has in his mind when he says that he's a top five grass court mm. player in the world on a given day in one match he is capable of producing i would agree with him top five grass court tennis it was astoundingly good well wow. two questions for you a is he in the mix b what would he need to do to be in the mix he's not in the mix and he would have to get an awful lot of therapy both physical and emotional before his next round and subsequent rounds. I don't think he is physically or emotionally able to win a Grand Slam but, tournament. I do, but he look, can beat Stefano Tsitsipas. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I'm not sure I am picking him to win, win that match. That, spoiler alert, that's the, the third round. I, I just don't think him beating Krajanovic easily on grass changes anything that we already know about Nick Kyrgios. Nick Kyrgios's problems, his psychological flaws emerge when he thinks he might lose. He cannot cope anymore with the prospect of losing. There's always a deflection. There's always rage. There's always completely inappropriate behaviour. His psyche can no longer cope with not being good enough. So it doesn't surprise me that in a match where he was never at one moment threatened, that he was able to be brilliant but he wasn't physically or emotionally tested today. And you, you can't win a Grand Slam without being physically or emotionally tested. Mm. And he's he's not up to that scrutiny. His tennis is there. His tennis could be the best in the world. If, if, if. <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree with that assessment. And I think even in the first round, we saw all of, you know, the confrontations with the lying judges and the umpire and the crowd because he wasn't playing well and that shocked him and mm. suddenly he was in a match that he didn't expect himself to be in. This was actually the sort of performance I was expecting from Kyrgios in round one because I thought he'd look so good on the grass coming in. I thought it would be later in the draw, as we're saying, where he gets tested and then everything that you've just described comes out of him and that's why he's not capable of winning the tournament. I was surprised it happened so early. Um, but today, he was exceptional. Didn't drop a point on serve uh, for more than a set at the start of the match, which is just it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. 24 aces in all, about 50 winners. Yeah. If he were to beat 
said Sebasto. His draw is pretty good. His draw is good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, if if you look at look at it, if he beats um Sitsipas, he's going to face either is it uh, Daniel Lahigalan or it's going to and or it's going to and then it would be uh Benjamin no, so then it would be the Jensen Brooksby against Christian Green match. Mm. Um he'd probably be a favorite in those matches. Mm. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying he couldn't reach the quarters or the semis. I just do not think he's capable think, of winning this title. Have I got that right? Um, it, he... it would be a quarter final. The quarter final would be with the Dumanor, Brody, Green, Brooksby. Correct. Section. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm. Which is a good draw. It's a great draw. He's capable of beating all these players. He's capable of beating any player. He's just not going to do it at a Grand Slam. Seven matches, best of five sets. But if he does, it means that he's sorted himself out a bit. And that's great news for everyone. So prove me wrong. I'm sure that's his his main motivation. Well, you're one of millions that now think that he can't. Prove me wrong and do, do it without spitting at anyone. That's it's all I ask for. That that would be helpful. Mm. Now, who else can I perform armchair psychology on? <laughs> <laughs> Any candidate? Oh, Denis Shapovalov. I could do some armchair psychology on him. Go on then. <sighs> well, actually, having said that, maybe it's we don't know where we are. Really, maybe with it's Dennis. too unfathomable. He lost today, beaten by Brandon Nakashima, who's a good player, by the way. Four sets, uh, but that is, you know, it. Seven out of his last losing seven out of eight for Shapovalov. That's not about Nakashima being a good player. There's there's two things going on here. Nakashima, good player. Shapovalov, something's up because this is no longer not progressing. This is going drastically backwards. Um, okay, he was never going to defend his ranking points from the semi-finals last year, but because of the ranking point situation, but. Just the fact that he reached the semi-finals here last year, and that was the big Grand Slam breakthrough. To now have the comparison point of, you know, disappearing so meekly in round round two. Yeah, it's such a bad run of form that he's on. And look, I'm not inside the Denis Shapovalov camp. I don't know what's going on. But when he was asked at Roland Garros about why he had let go of Jamie Delgado, I was very confused really by his answer which was vague about something's missing um you know we were getting on something was missing he got rid of Delgado he's got Peter Polanski with him I mean okay he might have coaching aspirations but he he doesn't have the experience that Delgado had um and this run of form has coincided with Delgado not being on the team Polanski being on the team and look I mean it wasn't going brilliantly for Shapovalov with Delgado in the months just after the Australian Open they obviously had a really good start together but it's really not going well now and I I can't help but think that there might be some kind of correlation there mm. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely speculating but if we're looking for something that's changed in the last couple of months that is that is something with him that we know about yeah, he needs a reset of yeah. a pretty 
spectacular one. Mm. Just start again, sort yourself out. Nakashima now plays uh, Daniel Galan, um, who received a walkover today because Roberto Bautista, the latest player to withdraw from the men's um, men's draw from with COVID nineteen. Um, so you know that's three significant players, two of whom I had in my quarterfinals. So that is a shame. Yeah, we're not talking about predictions. Mm. predictions I'm sad for you, Roberto, and I'm sad for me. <laughs> Particularly me. Um, where can we go next on my meandering mystery tour? Let's stay with the men for a moment. Rafael Nadal, another four-set win for him today, following a very similar pattern to his opening round win. Two sets up, not playing dreamlike tennis, but definitely in charge of the match and then very much unexpectedly loses the third set before going on to win quite convincingly in four this time against Ricardis Brankis I mean he's creating a little a little Wimbledon 22 <laughs> 2022 template isn't he it, was this was this different to round one Matt if so how and how and why quite similar I think he's definitely been vulnerable in those two matches. And I think Sorundolo and Barankis have played well. They've just not been good enough to beat him. But I don't want to say he's been there for the taking because he's he's Rafael Nadal. It's very, very difficult to beat him. I, I understand that. But over 24 hand errors today in the first three sets alone, he was dropping the ball short quite a lot. And he said, I need to improve, you know, he, again, we always know Nadal talks like that and has... Um, I think he said that after winning his 14th yeah, French Open. Yeah, literally. Um, <laughs> but he he did get better under the roof, interestingly. Once they put the roof on and in that fourth set, I thought he did start playing better. He was more effective on serve. He started to dominate with his forehand a little bit more. But, look, he's got time to improve. I do think his draw has opened up. There were players in his section... Um, Chilich was there, wasn't he? Query was there. Berrettini a bit further down the line. Those players are not there anymore. So he might actually have a route through to to improve. Uh, but yeah, he needs to because he's not he's not playing that well. Can you put your finger on it? Can you? Did he put his finger on it? But obviously, there's this move back from Clay. He's had this foot procedure. It, is that part of it? Do we think, or is it? Just the surface and the rhythm. I think it's. I think it's the latter. Honestly, first time Nadal's played that I haven't thought about the foot today. You know, honestly, it didn't occur to me. Uh, and he actually which said, is, which is good because you're not allowed to ask about it. Yeah, quite. He said something in his press conference. They were talking about great athletes retiring, and he said that a couple of weeks ago he felt he was close to retirement. Now he doesn't feel that way. And he said, and he's, he smiled when he said that. Um, so I, I do think the foot's okay. I think it's the fact he hasn't played on grass in three years. And I think there have been developments in his game over the last few years, which probably do help him on the grass. He flattens out the backhand now. He's 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 happy to win points in different ways. But it was a very long period in Nadal's career where he was very vulnerable at Wimbledon. And mm. if he's not absolutely at his best, this is the surface which I still think players can get to him on a little bit more. The Steve Darcy years. Mm. Yes, Lucas, Lucas Russell, Russell, Dustin Brown, yeah. Nick Kyrgios, you know. The, the impression, the, the feeling I get that? with Nadal at this tournament is that if he can hang in the draw until the latter stages, he'll have played himself into into grass court form. He'll have, he'll have found his feet, yeah. literally and, and figuratively. 
but he's going to be vulnerable along the way and it all depends on you know less Ricardis Barankis what, what is that but, route? but he's never pulled off a big win he's not that guy nah. is he mm. that he's not Dustin Brown nah um but it, yeah, it's who just could a question be? of what's the rule. Well, like? he's got uh, Sonigo in the next round, who likes a stage, hits yep. a big, big ball. I still would back Nadal. I often feel watching Sonigo, and I may be doing him a massive disservice. I, I sometimes watch him and think a bit of sort of slightly earlier Gaumon feast that he's he's more or less happy enough if he's just yeah. won a set and got a standing I, ovation. I think for Nadal it. will out will be able to outcompete him. Even if it, even if the tennis isn't quite yeah. there, fourth round, Botic van der Zandskulp, who hits or a big beat Ruiz today, van der Zandskulp. Yeah, or Richard Gasquet, who he's not lost to since they were Richard about. Richard Gasquet's in the draw here. The ultimate draw. For yeah, Nadal. I had no idea Richard Gasquet mm. was in the draw. He's beaten Zhao Sousa and Mackenzie McDonald. Oh, good okay. wins. Well, well done, Richard. Um, and, and for being here. A potential quarterfinal with Nadal. We're looking at maybe Taylor Fritz or... Honestly, that's a very open section. Maxime Cressy is two sets to love down against Jack Sock. So maybe Fritz or Sock. So, yeah, it's not too bad is basically what I'm saying. I think Fritz would be tough, but... Uh... Well, can we talk about Taylor Fritz just for a moment there? He he beat Alistair Gray, the Brit today, in three straight sets and, and was very good. I think it's important that he's getting these wins in straight sets because he's, he's come from winning the title in Eastbourne on Saturday, hasn't he? So, although he seems to be, you know, so much physically stronger than, than he ever used to be. He's deceptive, isn't he? Because he doesn't look... I think it's sli- the slightly baggy kit and the coat hangery shoulders. The the t-shirt sort of hangs off him and makes him look a bit concave. He's a bit nineties here. He's a bit nineties, yeah. But actually, he's you know he's strong. I think. And but anyways, I think it's still significant for him that he's taking off these wins in in fairly straightforward fashion. Um, he plays Alex Molchan now, but we must talk about set point in the second set. For Taylor Fritz, because it's my it's my moment of of the tournament so far. I haven't seen this yet, so you need to describe this well for me. So Alice de Grey, I think it's Alice de Grey serving. Anyway, the 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 early portion of the uh, of the point is irrelevant. They're in a rally. Alice de Grey uh, approaches the net and knocks off a short angle volley and for all eyes and ears watching, it's a winner. It's a clean winner. Um, and uh, Taylor Fritz is floundering mid-court on the other on the other side. You know, it, it's a lost cause. Alistair Gray turns his back, does a sort of um, fluid volley motion into fist pump whilst turning his back. So he's doing a jogging fist pump with his back to the court towards his box to celebrate saving set point. Meanwhile, in the very split second that that, jogging fist pump is materialising Taylor Fritz is hurling his body towards the ball and his racket makes contact with him while he's fully off the ground he's in mid-air he somehow scoops his racket under the ball hits a beautiful feathered drop volley and wins the point and the set and Alistair Gray didn't see it he was busy celebrating yeah it was oh, oh. it was brilliant. It was fantastic. What, what did Alistair Gray 
look like after that? He, I think he felt a bit silly, which mm. you would. Poor chap. He, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, he ran away in celebration for a point he didn't win. <laughs> You know what I mean, I doing would that, pretty silly. Yeah. And, like, like, um, like a player who's just scored and then VAR intervenes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And Taylor Fritz said that it was the first thing he did when he went off court was find the uh, highlight of that point. He says, <laughs> he says it's the best shot he's ever hit in his life. And he didn't notice that Alistair Gray was celebrating. I well, mean, because he was practically off court. He was, the, he was in the stands <laughs> high-fiving people. <laughs> and Fritz was mid-air. He wasn't looking at what Gray was doing. Yeah, it was a very funny moment. It was, can we stop the podcast so I can watch it? <laughs> it was pretty magical. Um, I think Fritz is favourite to come through that quarter. And yeah, um, yeah. that's what I had in my predictions. So feel feel good about that. Uh, last bit of business from the men's draw. Liam Brody beat Diego Schwartzman in five sets to end today biggest win of his life through to the third round of a slam for the first time he's twice been through to the second round at Wimbledon before not been able to go that one step further Liam Brady represents something for me in tennis a certain world of tennis that we don't hear enough about we don't see enough of but it's vast and it's important and it's hard yeah and Oh, it makes me feel really emotional to see him, to see everything he puts in that we don't see pay off. And he he cares so much. I mean, again, for for listeners who may not know too much about him, he's a British guy. He's from Stockport up north, and he 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 was a junior Wimbledon runner-up. Uh, but he he's not the most physically gifted, not the most gifted racket wielder either you know he's not that talented versus some of these other players but he's incredibly fit no stone left unturned he's been slogging away for years just trying to get into the world's top 100 I don't think he's managed it quite yet has he Um, but you know he's there or thereabouts he's not too far away and he's the man we interviewed what would it have been just over two years ago when the pandemic stopped tennis and we interviewed him in it for a show called what happens when tennis stops and he gave an interview that will always stay with me because he said I I would play this sport for free you know I love this sport and the reason I'm doing what I'm doing is just because I want to be able to carry on playing it and and I'm a bit worried because if I don't make enough money I don't know whether I can keep this up I don't know whether I can play the sport I want to play. So I'm going to use this off, this enforced mid-season, off-season in order to, to just get so fit and I'm going to do so much running that when I do come back, I'll be ready. You know, And it feels like that's paying off now. And, um, and I mean, he's played a guy today who's way more talented than he is, who's way more illustrious and... And we've just watched some highlights of it, and they're in a different league in parts of this match, and yet he still won. Yeah, that's that's beautifully said. That really sums up Liam Brody and what he represents. And yeah, it was a hell of an effort today. He lost eleven games in a row in in the mm. middle of the match. And, uh, and he said in the post-match interview, "I had had you fooled, didn't I?" <laughs> to the crowd, you thought I was losing. <laughs> it's a great line. He's he's really charming, and I'm. I'm chuffed to bits for him, really am. And he'll face Alex de Menor in the third round, who beat Jack Draper uh, tonight on court one. Draper, I mean, yeah, he lost tonight and he faded 
quite dramatically in sets three, three and four. In fact, it's he seemed to just suddenly hit a wall, played played brilliantly um, for the first two sets, got, gets to a second set tie break, and loses it seven love, and it's, it's pretty much game over from from that point. Goes a double breakdown in the third, stayed with it mentally, really stayed with it, but just didn't have it physically, and he's such a a physical player that drop off is massive, but um, he'll get there. He's a pl- he's a player. So exciting! This will be good for him. The, the, this loss. Catherine and I watched the first two sets together. You know, one seven five, the other one seven six, the other way, and it was electric. I mean, they, they were both playing well. It's a great combination. This this bulldozing big hitter who's running like crazy and Jack Draper trying to bully the opponent and Dimonor who's just road runner chasing everything down, staying in rallies. And he eventually, I mean, he outlasted him. He showed Jack Draper what a pro at this level is is all about and what he what Draper needs to get to physically if he's going to be able to maximise and fulfil his potential. But you can't get away from the excitement that Draper generates from all of us because, I mean, I, keep, I cannot watch him without thinking of Andy Roddick in terms of the the way he comes to get you. He's coming after you. He's going to let you have his game. And okay, he's served maybe not quite as violent as, as Roddick's was, but it's it's serious brute force behind it. His forehand maybe even more so, and that is so full of topspin, you don't know whether the ball's going to land in or, or out because it dips so so dramatically. Um, and and he, he's another one of these that... I, mean, I, I think... Health permitting, we could have a decade of moments of of Jack Draper on, at Wimbledon because the noise that greeted the the end of that first set made the the hairs on my neck stand up just instantly because it was so loud. People people really love that guy. They love watching his tennis. Yeah, he's a, he's a good ticket to have, and I'm certain that this experience seeing and experiencing what's required will make him better, will make him go away and get there because that's the kind of character that he is. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, tennis podcast listeners. David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. 
Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Back to the women's draw. Uh, Should we cover Iga Sviontek, who we've all picked for the title, who I think it's impossible not to pick for the title, really, because of because of the win streak she's on, which is now up to thirty seven, I think, which is extraordinary and continues to be extraordinary. But it's a little bit like Rafael Nadal at the moment, isn't it? It's it's not hugely convincing tennis. She's having she's having spells where she looks totally in command, and then huge drop offs where she's spraying errors left right and center how worried should we be Matt hmm difficult question because she's so good now I think the work she did in Australia actually this year where she won a lot of matches not playing her best that was the real theme of Sviontek in that tournament where she was talking about just how important it is for her to get good at that Um, and she sort of hasn't needed that skill ever since because she's just (laughs) been at her best crushing people for for the last four months or so but I do think at the moment she's really not not that comfortable on the grass she spoke a lot about how she likes to hit topspin with her forehand and on the grass she's really trying to flatten it out and it does result in a lot of errors I mean you can sometimes just watch her for five or ten minutes, and it just just seems like she's missing, and missing by big amounts. Uh, she was a breakdown in the first set, lost the second set. Uh, so she was, I think it was a real scare today. I think she was actually quite close to going out. Mm. Um, to, she, to a lucky loser, Leslie Patinama Kerkova. Yeah, who I think... I, had, I, that's not the right accent <laughs> that I put on there. She's Dutch, well, not I, Russian. I still enjoyed it. Kerkova. <laughs> Anyway, let's let's go with it. I think she'd only won one WTA main draw match all season prior to Wimbledon. So, you know, not a player with with huge pedigree at all. Um, I did think she played a lot better in the final set, Sviontek. Once mm. she saved break points in the very first game of that set, seemed to relax her and... Um, she did cut out the errors, but she's she's got quite a tough draw she's now. She's got Elise Cornet next, and she will need to be better. A lot better. Elise Cornet likes grass mm. and has knows had, how to cause an upset. Exactly. Has had a big win here. Yeah. Cornet beat Serena Williams. Serena here, Williams, mm. yeah. Yeah. Look, Schwantek, obviously still the favourite for that match, but she won't win if she plays like she did today. She needs to be better. Um, but I'm excited to see Shiontek t- tested in that way by Corne, by someone who will, you know, n- not go, who who will believe, I think, who will walk on court believing. Yeah. 
Do you, do you know a word you, word you came up with years ago, Catherine, that I, I, has just occurred to me in regard to Elise Cornet? Gnarly. Gnarly. Definitely didn't come up with that word, but use it more than your average person, definitely. I'd never heard of it until you used it. Um, <laughs> I've definitely used it to describe um, Bianca Andrescu before. Um, because at her best, she is utterly gnarly. She's just not quite at the moment. And it's not... She was good today, in part. She got beaten by Elena Rabakina. What's the score? Um, two straight sets. Tie, one break of serve in the first. She was a breakdown in the second. Came back, hung tough the whole way. There was never a moment where she was in control of this match. She was just hanging in. Took it to a tie break and, you know, lost out in fine margins. And the... The contrast in demeanours between this, these two was so stark. You've got Andrescu, the street fighter, and Rabakina, the completely placid sort of, you know, is she sleepwalking vibe? And is she fully conscious right hitting now? Hitting the living daylight side of it at the same time. Absolutely. Just an extraordinary contrast. Um, and look, it's no secret that just I love Andrescu, and not just because of her dog, I just... I find <laughs> I find her <laughs> magnetic, and I just I want her to do well. And I think her doing well equals tennis doing well. And I don't think losing today is a disaster. Rebecca is a very good player, um, but she does need to start winning some of these. Maybe the summer, you know, build and building. I hope so. Sort of, you know, maybe she can build up a bit of momentum if she can stay fit and start mm. start getting several matches on the hard courts under a belt. Mm. We know it's there. Yeah, I hope so. It, she it, just needs to get on a roll in, and get the muscle memory back of just winning. Yeah, that's So it, she just it? trusts that it'll happen and isn't questioning herself all the time. It needs to... She used to get back on digital rather than analog. It's quite big that in the, in the summer, I always think. The players that seem to do well uh, mm. in... In New York, are the ones that went on a run. Mm. Think of Daniel Medvedev and mm. years ago Andy Pat Roddick. Rafter winning the thing and uh, and mm. after winning everything. Yeah. By the way, is, is Rebecca happening? Is she going to be a force? It's very difficult to tell because the, that demeanour is so disarming. Ah, Hannah loves her. Does she? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Hannah, I don't want to speak for Hannah, but I think Hannah really likes. Players, and we'll come on to another one in Petra Kvitova, who just have such a sweet strike of the ball and hit the ball so hard, and yet have this contrast in demeanour, which is calm. Um, I think I think Hannah quite likes that contrast. We uh, we started our day watching Petra Kvitova against Anna Bogdan. It turned into a hell of a match after Petra Kvitova squandered a six-one-five-one lead. Ended up in a second set tie break. It was, it was, it was fantastic. Thrilling I was commentating end. about this time. I Brilliant didn't know. way to start the day. Um, Kvitova had just looked vintage oh. up until that point. Utterly vintage. Going for everything. Couldn't miss. Loosest arm in the world. Um, Matt, Matt didn't quite know what to do because obviously watching Petra Kvitova in that form is seductive. But Anna Bogdan's on the backhand list. Oh. Mm. And it is a lovely backhand, can confirm. What was it doing for 6-1-5-1 then? <laughs> Just she getting walked... nowhere near Kvitova's winners. Actually, she wasn't playing that badly. She wasn't. She couldn't get near the ball. Could not was, get near the ball. It was 2011-2014 yeah. 
as you said, vintage from Kvitova. But then it didn't take her to go off much for Bogdan to go, oh, okay, if there's... Oh, you know, backhand her, eyes, her eyes lit up, <laughs> and yeah, suddenly a couple of you know backhands down the line, and she's believing. And it was a great match. It was really, really great. Um, just such clean hitting and great rallies, and it became really competitive with with Bogdan's comeback. Uh, yeah, I, I, I thought that was probably the match today. I, I enjoyed the most mm. actually. Kvitova now plays Bedosa. He looked really Ooh. good today against Arena Barra. We we watched uh, a fair bit of this on on the TV this morning, um, and Bedosa did look really good. But I'm not. I think it was a kind matchup for her with with Barra. Barra didn't really ask her the questions, which which might test Bedosa. Oh, I hope that gets on centre court. Me too. Mm. I think Me I think too. you know centre court would would enjoy that. They'd, they'd, yeah. they'd like to see that match. Well, I think without question, Katie Bolter will be put on centre. Right. Yeah. So it's a question of whether they're prepared to put two two women's matches. I hope the answer is yes. I mean, those I mean, two, few... and then Sitsapas Kyrgios done. But would they put Nadal on one? They mm. might. Or, There's a PS, few candidates also, actually. Also, I mean, Goff Anisimova, Sviontek oh. Corne. Yeah. These well, are great matches. I'm going to watch all of them anyway. Goff Anisimova. They both won today, obviously, to set that up, and that's, yeah, that's mouth-watering. Brill. Um, Krejcikova won today, again, beat Victoria Golibic again. Any win's a good win for for Krejcikova, and Golibic can play on grass. She she had a run here last year, didn't she? I think, you know, let's not get the fanfare out, because it's not about her winning slams again at the moment. It's just about getting these wins yeah. and... And the early building blocks, I'm pleased for her. She's got uh, Ida Tomljanovic next, who's tough. It's not been a very good day grass. for the backhand list, has it? And it's some over one. Mm, top of the backhand list, Th- That's David. really all that matters yeah. when mm. it comes to backhand. Because there are several spaces between Correct. her and the other four. Is Goff on the backhand list? Not on the list, but a great backhand. Right, okay. Great backhand. She's, she's your provisional. She's your, your, your reserve. <laughs> Um, couple of other bits. Simona Halep won today. She was down in both sets against Kirsten Flipkins. Ended up coming back. That wasn't really the story, though. The story ended up being the fact that that was Kirsten Flipkins' last ever match. And the story, quite frankly, was the hug afterwards. I mean, is there anybody better to have your last match against than Simona Halep? She does get it, doesn't she? She gets it. It was it was so warm and lovely. Um, very very emotional was Kirsten Flipkins. Obviously, Wimbledon a particularly special place for her. She had that run to the semi-finals and a junior champion here. You know, this is this is the place for her, isn't it? And I'm pleased that she had Simona Halep on the court with her for that moment. You wouldn't want it to be Elaine Ross. Yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> Yeah, come in the first session. So, yeah, it's a final yeah. match. And, yeah, this um, isn't about you. And I won it quite easily, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jessica Pagula, also a winner today, beat Harriet Dart in three sets, came back after losing the first um, tough one for, for Dart, having been in that position. But good stuff from Pagula because she's come in here 
cold, hasn't she? She didn't she didn't play on grass before Wimbledon, so uh, she plays Petra Martic next. The order of play for tomorrow looks thus. Centre court starts with Diane Parry against Ons Jabeur, then Novak Djokovic against countryman Mirmir Ketsmanovic, and finally Steve Johnson up against British number one Cameron Norrie. Uh, that's one of those that um, if you're not British and you've got a centre court ticket, you'd be a bit miffed, wouldn't you? It's like it's like when they put um, Arthur Rinderknecht on Chatrier in Paris. Um, but anyway, quite it's, looking forward it's, to seeing it's Britain, and w- we've got every right to do that. And he is the ninth seed, yeah. so. I want to see that parry match, though, against Sanj Jabir. Me? Well, you can, David. I should probably say the Jabir match featuring... You're in, you're in the right Farrah. place to be able to watch that. Yeah. Uh, Heather Watson opens court one. She's played on every day of the tournament so far, hasn't she, Heather Watson? Because her, <laughs> her matches keep getting... Yeah, getting I'm very confused what side of the draw she's ...held on. over. She faces uh, Kai Yuvan. Um, sorry to mention that name, David. Conqueror of uh, Beatrice Haddad Meyer. Kerber against Merton, second on court one. And then Oscar Otter, who um, is having a good grass court season. He faces Carlos Alcaraz. Tiafo Bublik is on court two. Sakari against Tatiana Maria. Sinner Isner. Uh, Jack Sock and Maxime Cressy to resume on court three. Vesely against Tommy Paul. Tim Van Reithoven, your new, your new man, David. He's on court number 12. Uh, Umber against Goffin. That could be good fun, couldn't it? So uh, lots of that, lots of doubles. Yeah, uh, and tomorrow. speaking of doubles, there is a not-before start time for Venus Williams and Jamie Murray. So they may sneak on to yes. central number one. No night sessions, though. No. No. Sessions. Um, so that's it, I think, for uh, for your day four Wimbledon pod. Of course, we'll be back with one tomorrow. Um, oh, I just wanted to mention it's not news, but um, it's June thirtieth today, isn't it? It's the last day of Pride Month, which we haven't which we haven't mentioned at any stage on the podcast. Um, the LTA had some had some stuff, didn't they, to mark Pride Month and. You know, Australian Open had Pride Day earlier on this year. I think it just is worth mentioning because there is still no openly gay male tennis player. And we should keep saying that until it changes. We should keep highlighting it. Um, so, happy Pride. Um, and, yeah, let's hope things change. Um, we have lovely Willow. We like Willow. Oh, yeah. Right, Willow. Hello, Willow. Willow is our tournament mascot. Willow is a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, and we like those. Yeah. Uh, David has Darwin as his mascot. How did it go for, for you and Darwin oh, today, David? Three in a row. Three in a row. All wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Draper today. Sorry, Jack. Oh, um, I had Victoria Golubich, so apologies to Carter. Uh, I know Matt scored points, so I'm not. Uh, I'm just not looking over to see your smug face. Do you know... We were going to go and have lunch or something, and Matt Matt wouldn't move because Brandon Nakashima was about to win. I want I I wondered what was going on, and honestly, it was about 0.4 seconds after match point that Matt was filling in the newsletter, <laughs> was updating his own score on the newsletter. You're right. Draft, yeah. correct. Mm, it was annoying. We we, we had a, a, a a message from one of the 
the New York Times turbo boosted synapse to the tennis podcast uh, <laughs> yesterday saying who's Willow and what's all that about so um yeah Willow's our mascot Willow's our mascot we have animal mascots um because I really like animals and um people pay us to send me pictures of their animals and uh that's that's just great <laughs> It's great. Um, so <laughs> thank you to everyone that does that and long may it continue. Um, sometimes I just spend time just looking at pictures of dogs I don't know. Um, sometimes, a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the time. But you can't, you can't sign up, folks, until the end of the year if you want a mascot. Because yes, because they're do all that. taken. Yeah, we only do that for about six weeks <laughs> yeah, a year. Get, there, get in there quickly. Yeah. Um, Billie Jean is a dog that I do know and she is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss. She'll be back in town tomorrow in Tennis Podcast Towers and making herself known on the, the, uh, on the pods. This I is guarantee. the actual Billie Jean King New York Times crew, I'm telling you. Okay, let's not get, let's not <laughs> disappear up our New York Times answers too far, shall we, David? That's two mentions in about a minute and a half. Kyle Weingartner and Chris Albert-Lee are our executive producers and top blokes. And Matt, we have shout-outs. Shout-outs for any New York Times listeners that don't know. People know what shout-outs are. <laughs> Yes, for Paul Singh in Perth. Right, Paul. Hello, Paul. Like Tommy Paul. Yeah. Who plays yeah. tomorrow. Paul hey. Job. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody been to Perth here? I'd love I to go I haven't, actually. It's one of the few places in Australia I haven't been. I'd really like cities. to go. It's uh, quite sharky. I was going to say, think. I don't want to go swimming, though. I, yeah. I'm, I'm a child of the 70s, and I saw Jaws at an age that I really shouldn't have been seeing it, yeah. and it still stays with me today. Quite sharky, but beautiful. Quite hot. Hot and sharky. But I'll, I'll come, as long as I can stay on land. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> Perth makes me think of the uh, Hotman Cup. Hotman Cup. And that makes me sad that we don't have that anymore. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Anyway. anyway. Cheers, Paul. We have Mike Cleary, who is in Alexandria, which is Egypt? Oh. Wow. Right, Mike. Have I got that wrong? Have I exposed I, I my geography you. terribly? Someone Google it. Well, I, I was, I was trying to think of a, um, a tennis mic, and I, uh, I thought of Mike Bryan, and I was going to say, well, there was a Bryan brother in John Isner's box yesterday, but I don't know which one because the only way I could identify them before was because one was a lefty and one was a righty. But now they're no longer playing, I've got no chance. So it's possible that Mike Bryan was in John Isner's box yesterday. Alexandra is a city in Egypt. Alexandria. No? Alexandria, yeah. That's the one. Wow, fantastic. It's a Mediterranean port city in Egypt. Mm, lovely. Well done, Matt. Population 5.2 million. Thank you, Mike. Cheers, Mike. And finally, we have Zach Rankin, who is on the Gold Coast in Australia. Wow. And Zach is a 13-year-old junior player hoping to become pro. And he listens to our podcast to and from tournaments. I love that. That's amazing. All right, Zach. If I say like Ian Rankin, the author, Zach probably will not know what I'm on about, will he? No. No, probably not. Tennis tennis Zachs? Well, while you think of that, I'm going to say Zach should check out our 
Junior's yes, podcast. There's some great should. advice, uh, genuinely especially from great Jamie advice, Delgado. Yeah. I think. And as a friend of the podcast, he he has access to that. Mm, absolutely, yes. Um, thank you, Zach, very much indeed. Thank you to all of our friends of the Tennis Podcast. If you want to become a friend, the link to do so is in our show notes. You can get yourself a shout out or an intro. Or just get yourself the bonus friends content um, and support us. We're very grateful that you will do so. It's uh, it's what makes this show happen. So thank you. Subscribe to the newsletter. You can do that for free. So I don't understand why everybody hasn't done that. It is, it's it's brilliant. It's quite brilliant. So subscribe to the newsletter. The link to do that is in our show notes. You can leave us an Apple Podcasts review. You can definitely tell your friends if there's any left that you haven't told. And you can join us for our day five daily Wimbledon podcast tomorrow. We'll speak to you then. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.